The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. I was glad that I got to part five and everybody was like, no, I promise it gets good. And yes, it was very good. <laughs> After a book that long, you kind of want to make sure the ending is worth getting to because you've just spent a long time getting to it. I really did. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am your host, Craig Hanks. And with me today, I've got a few people. Well, I'm afraid if we pull her away from the blue team too often, she might become emotionally stunted. Uh, too late. I think it's uh, Megan Smythe. I promise not to cry on this episode, you guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And, you know, I'm really sad, actually, now because, spoiler alert, Hoyt can no longer truly appreciate the corniest scarring vibrancy of her hair. It's Stephanie Bruckman. I have nothing for that. No? Okay. All right. That's fine. We'll move on then. And my own fourth ideal, if I had one, would go something like this. Fine. I accept that I probably ought not kill Ryan Bruckman. All right. <laughs> These words are accepted. Yeah. yeah. Either way, one of us is going off the top of a building. <laughs> nice nice um okay well welcome everybody to our rhythm of war part five discussion the first of two i am promising to right away uh because we really want to work everybody in uh but we're only doing four people per episode so me and ryan are are hosting the lovely and talented megan and stephanie today um and then ken and todd will uh come you know gum up the works on the next episode <laughs> So, because of that, we're actually not going to do our traditional uh, recap today. We're going to let Ken do that when he's actually on the show. Yeah. So, we're going to recap part five in the second episode that we do on it. <laughs> Super helpful. Super helpful for everybody. So, I hope you all have read it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll recap as we go, I guess. Point of clarity here. Part five and all book eventually, but starting with part five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, can, we can talk about the whole book. That's fine. Um, in fact, we will. So I do want to encourage everybody, just you know, a few housekeeping things as usual. But the first thing I want to do is encourage you to go to our YouTube channel. I've mentioned this a few times, but today's episode, we're actually filming it. We have Todd in the back of the room on tech, off camera, where he belongs, right? <laughs> Face for radio and all that stuff. Thanks so much. Yeah, really yeah. appreciate that. So Todd is running tech for us, and we're, we're filming this, and we're going to put it on YouTube. And so if you want to watch us talk, so for, for reasons I wouldn't comprehend... Uh, you can do that. And we're going to try to do this more often. Um, in fact, I, I'd like to do it for all of our episodes if we can, if we can get to that point. So to that end, I want to thank our patrons for allowing us to get this far with the tech that we've got. It's, a lot of it comes from uh, the patrons, um, you know, the, the ability for us to do this. Uh, and there are some other things that we'll need to do. So thank you for your continued support. And, uh, you know, please go to patreon.com slash legendarium, support the show. And if you want to join in the conversation, please join us on Discord. You can find a link for that to uh, a link to the Discord server on our website, thelegendarium.com. If you haven't done that yet. Oh, okay. House, <laughs> house kept. You did it. All right. So let's start let, let's start in the most obvious of places uh megan how'd it go how was part five um 
I was very satisfied with the way this book ended. I was just like, hooray. Because were you like lighting a cigarette I, after you were done? <laughs> no. I was just, I got to the end of it and I was like, okay, I, I'm glad that I read this book because I really struggled with the first parts one and two. So I was glad that I got to part five and everybody was like, no, I promise it gets good. And yes, it was very good. <laughs> after a book that long, you kind of want to make sure the ending is worth getting to because you've just spent a long time getting to it. I really did. But it's also, yeah, it felt a little anticlimactic, but I enjoyed it on the whole. Okay, hold on to that word, okay. anticlimactic. Stephanie, how did you feel about it? I loved it. I plowed through the whole thing. The in, whole book? Or yeah, the whole, the whole book. Yeah. Um, and I felt like one sitting, but the way I listen to books, it really is kind of one sitting. So, I mean, it was probably like two or three days by the time I got through it. It's but... disgusting the way you, you go through <laughs> audiobooks. It really It is. took me 11 weeks to read this book. <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, I haven't finished it. I was like, how have you not finished i have been finished for weeks now and i can't talk to anyone about it it's a good thing ryan devours these books like i do so we can sit and talk about them and but i really enjoyed it i thought it was a a good way to move on to the final story of this arc right so it was a good setup for that final book yeah ryan general thoughts uh part five so if you remember back when we did our spoiler free review kind of the uh, when Megan talked about that anticlimactic feeling that I had a feeling this, you know, had a slower end to it or whatever, things like that. By the way, that was three months ago. It has yeah. taken us so long to do these episodes. Yes. It's awful. Anyway, sorry, go on. Um, this book ages really well. Oh, does it? Really well with each subsequent reread. Um, Wait, how many times have you read this book? I have read through it three times now. Oh, I've read Lord. through it twice and I agree with you. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is a definitely a book. Uh, the first time, because you're so, I feel like I'm so anxious waiting for what is he going to do? What's going to happen and everything that going through a lot of the buildup and the setup and things like that feels like a drag. It just really makes you, you're bogged down in it a little bit. And I know that there are some people who absolutely adore, you know, they love to be mired in uh, world in the, building. the lore. In the lore and yeah. things like that. Totally fine. Glad you enjoy that. Not the way that I usually consume and enjoy. Um, but once that curtain is removed and I'm no longer like, what is, you know, what is happening? I actually find myself going through it quicker, enjoying it more uh, on each of those. And I really, really enjoy this. I, I already said it in one of our earlier episodes, this moved from being, I think, the the number three or four on my list up into top two. I think Words of Radiance is still my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I really think that there are some really deep tones to this story that... So to speak? Yes. No pun intended, but <laughs> definitely laughter appreciated. Um, <laughs> I'll take. We're a not going to give you credit for a joke you didn't mean. Yeah. Um, uh, no, that's interesting because yeah. I, I actually, um, in preparing for this episode, I, I went back and listened to our parts three and four episode just to see well, what what did I actually say? I can't remember. Um, so I went back and listened to that, and that was one of the things I brought up. And and I'm glad to hear you say that because it kind of uh, lends credence to what I was saying. That uh, I was saying it in reference to not quite collect connecting with Shalon the way that I have in previous books. Mm-hmm. Um, that it happened to me with Oathbringer, where I really connected with her story uh, storyline on the second read through. Right, mm-hmm. um, and I'm kind of hoping that'll be the case with the story as a whole uh, w- with Rhythm of War, which again, let me just say, I enjoyed. I it's the Stormlight Archive, and I love my time in this world. Uh, almost regardless i guess he could screw it up but yeah, I, I i trust brandon at this point <laughs> he's not going to screw it up royally but it is definitely a differently structured book than the other three 
And so it, it is a little slower in a lot of parts. Um, and so I think those moments are maybe going to be a little more rewarding on my second time through. So to, to tweak the question a little bit, and I think we should swing it back around again, but uh, the payoff, there are things that have been set up for books that were paid off in this book. How did you feel about those? Specifically things like the fourth ideal for Kaladin. Like, how did you guys feel about that? Do you feel like it was uh, a fulfilling response and that it hit the way it was supposed to? Uh, were you looking for something else? I don't know. That was That's something that I've been wanting to hear people talk about because it has been pretty much since the end of Words of Radiance, we've been waiting for the next one. And then we were like, Oathbringer, oh, here it goes. Nope. All right. Now that you've played this nope card on us, we got to move forward and let's see how you're going to actually do this. What does a nope card look like? <laughs> is, is this like part of the tarot deck maybe? Maybe. It's like uh, you get the, the four of cups and the nope card. Oh no, he pulled the nope card. Right. I, I think it's that meme of Captain Picard with his head in his hands. <laughs> sorry. The nope card. Oh, there you go. Okay, sorry. Now you can answer the oh question. Oh my gosh, that was more clever than I intended it to be. <laughs> That's funny. I ruined it. Never mind. <laughs> So, yes, how, I, how was the payoff? It, I found that very satisfying. Um, the whole uh, with Dalinar using his power with the Stormfather to slow down the storm and slow Kaladin's descent so that he would have time to have that connection with Tien and finally realize our lives were good. You couldn't save us, but that doesn't mean that our lives weren't meaningful and that doesn't mean that what you did wasn't meaningful. Mm -hmm. And it, it, was, it was almost kind of taking away from the sacrifices and the lives of, of these other people that Kaladin yeah. is like, you're, you're worth nothing if you're not standing right next to me. Right. Well, he was making it all buddy. about him and not right. about them and the value that their lives had led. And I, I just love that moment where Tian is like, no, I'm, I, you know, and Kaladin is so upset. You died because you were standing here. And he's like, but I was standing there so they wouldn't have to be alone. And how nice is that, that, we were all together when this happened. Like, this is terrible that it happened, but we were all together and Kaladin just, but you're not here now. And I just. It's, uh, I agree. So I, I think I agree with you, Megan, that, that it was a very satisfying moment if we're talking about Kaladin's fourth ideal. Um, yeah. Because it happens in a more organic way in this book than it would have happened in book three yes so you know in oathbringer of course there's the moment when he he can't say the words i, I can't do it and we're like what what, what, what words you know <laughs> and now that we know what they are if he had tried to swear that ideal in book three and if he had succeeded if brandon had kind of like forced that in the the moment again that we got in book one and book two mm -hmm. where it's like all right calvin's gonna save the day by swearing another ideal that it would have been super cheap now that we know what that ideal turned out to be yeah. Um, but he kind of he earned it through this book so he yeah I, I thought it was satisfying well and then he immediately got to reconcile with his father who at the same time also now understands a similar thing where oh what Kaladin has to offer is valid even though it's not what I'm doing and what I wish that he were doing what he is doing is important and I'm so proud of him there's a nice moment when Kaladin's father comes out and he's got the shosh yes. glyph on his mm -hmm. forehead just as Kaladin's falls off Yes. Finally, yeah, uh, where Kaladin finally accepts something about himself that allows that to to uh, dissipate. Um, but yeah, that was finally a nice moment, which reminds me, Ryan, um, <laughs> that reminds me, you 
asked me at, at some point, we, we were talking about how much we hate Liren in a lot of portions <laughs> of this book. Yes. Um, and you had said something like, well, but what about by the end of the book? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. We, we haven't had enough time with decent Liren yet. So, uh, sorry. He's, he's still... He's still on my on my list. I, I appreciated the uh, more so the conversation had between Hasina and Liren, where Hasina calls him out for not supporting his son, and then it's the next sequence is when he has the the, the shash brand on his forehead, uh, like everyone else. Um, it made me appreciate Hasina so much more in that sequence, and having Liren be such a terrible, honestly a terrible father figure mm -hmm. early in the book like that um i i think that the the end of it is a really nice payoff and i it put it put me in a position to go i can believe if liren goes splat i can believe it if he doesn't go splat i can believe it <laughs> and the way that kaladin responds to it uh is going to be a big thing and so i was i was glad he saved him i was glad the good guys got our happy ending on this one and everything but i Man, I will tell you that final sequence with Kaladin, uh, it had me on on edge. My first read through, a lot um, when he goes and like just destroys the pursuer, mm -hmm. absolutely destroys the pursuer, taking his name away from me. Uh, Fear me, Albalcom, just flipping the whole thing on a switch, and then adhering him to the wall, and then sticking his head to the ground, like oh ripping gosh. it off. I was like. <laughs> Kaladin is going in a very dark place and a very bad thing, and then in an awesome way. Yeah, <laughs> Moash triggers it, and I legitimately am going through this section like I don't know what you're going to do, but I feel like his eyes are glowing yellow. That's Odium's, you know, Odium's kind of thing is gold and, and things like that. And so maybe he's he's starting to go dark, and then he jumps off the edge, and I'm just going, oh, please, please don't do this, please don't do this to me. And I I will tell you, I that is probably the the biggest emotional ride in this book that I went on was that final sequence with Kaladin. Mm. Just absolutely insane. And see, I would have kind of loved it. You know, it's like Luke Skywalker joining the dark side or something mm -hmm. like as a story device. I, I, I kind of would have loved it, but yeah, it would have wrecked you. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> um, it, so speaking of, well, no, actually, I, I want to go back to your question. Well, you know, satisfying conclusions. Were there mm -hmm. other things you were thinking of than Kaladin's storyline here? There, so things kind of come together. There's there's a few uh, plot lines that all come together at the end, but few of them have the buildup that that one has. That's part of the reason why that one sticks out so much to me. Uh, like Dalinar coming over with the Stormfather and giving him the time and everything. The army coming back, the retaking of the tower. The other one is Navani's. Navani's uh, taking of the sib or becoming the sibling, bonding the sibling, and becoming a bondsmith. That one as well. Like, I feel like he did a good job early in the book to try and throw us off the trail uh, by putting this really nice breadcrumb in front of Relaine mm -hmm. and saying like, okay, you know, he's likely to become the bondsmith, and going like, yes, that's cool, and I like that concept. And then it comes back to Navani, which a lot of us were already on board. Like, that's probably going to happen. Um, so I'm curious how you, what you guys think about Navani becoming the bondsmith. Her swearing the ideals, kind of hitting Moash pretty hard, blinding Moash, actually. I had a, like, throughout the entire book, I kind of almost didn't want her to, like, you kind of are, it's like Adolin, where you almost want yes. them to become, like, to bond a, a spren, but at the same time, you're like, but I love having these characters that aren't radiants. Yeah, I, I like, I liked that 
she wasn't a radiant. And so I was, she was one that I was like, okay, I kind of see, especially once you get into part five, I see where this is going. Do I like it? And I was like, I kind of like her as she's finally taken her stances this um, with her, what is the word I want? That site where she's doing all of her studying and her scholarship. Yes. Thank you. I was like, what is this word? (laughs) As she's becoming a scholar and she's accepting the fact that she is a scholar after all of the work that she's done. And I was like, okay, she is finally coming into her own. She doesn't have to be radiant. But of course, then it happens and you're like, could it have happened any other way? Because I love the idea of her being with the, the sibling and Relaine going off with his people and him becoming his own kind of radiant with Venley. Like after it all plays out, I was like, I couldn't like I couldn't have done this better. This is what I needed. This is how this needed to end. These are where these characters need to be. So I felt yeah. really satisfied when it happened. But through the whole book, I was like, I don't want it to happen. So You know, I just a question just occurred to me and it hasn't occurred to me before, and so I haven't really thought this through, but I would love to know about population size on Roshar, uh, and I would love to know about population size in Shadesmar. Because, in a way, it kind of feels like, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, I'd love uh, for Adolin to remain non-radiant, because you know, I want that non-radiant character. And I, I sympathize with that, and I felt that way. You know, I think I've even said that before. But... um in a way, it kind of feels at a certain point like you're on Roshar and if you can, it's almost like your birthright to become yeah. radiant if, you know, if the Spren can play ball and the humans can play ball and everybody can, you know, get along, hunky-dory, whatever. Um, this this feels like the the birthright of the Rosharans, um, if that's what we're calling them. It's, I can and, agree and I'm with not, that. And I'm not sad about her becoming as long as everybody kind of can maybe get a chance it might feel a little bit weird the reason i talk about population levels is because it's if if it's like well there are 90 million people on roshar and there are eight thousand spren who could bond them then it might be a little bit like okay well now we're getting into something else but if it's something that's possible for everybody then yeah i'm I'm good with it there's a, a natural tendency we have because they have powers that we turn the Radiance into superheroes. Mm-hmm. And superheroes are supposed to be a rarity. It's supposed to be something that... And uh, quite frankly, I, I think you could honestly look at Roshar and to draw a parallel. Uh, if all of a sudden the whole population of Krypton moved on to Earth, like you'd have a bunch of supermen. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what's your point here on Roshar? It's very possible that Radiancy is, a, is the standard operating procedure once things are... Where they're normal. supposed well, to be. I- Based on previous... Images, though, like Dalinar's visions in the, in the past, that hasn't been the case. Knights Radiant have still been unique, but that doesn't mean that that has to be the case going forward. Well, and I think it depends on which group you're with, too. Like, there's only supposed to be, what, three Bondsmiths yes. in their world, but it seems like there are there like so many of some of these other groups mm-hmm. because of how many Spren are willing to bond them. And I think that was part of my thing with Navani becoming a Bondsmith, like, Dalinar's already a bondsmith and now Navani's a bondsmith and there's only supposed to be three bondsmiths like the chances of this couple both being bondsmiths was like weird to me but if if I'm being honest I would have preferred that it be Relaine 
just as a gut reaction. Mm-hmm. But I like Navani a lot, so I love I'm Navani, not going to especially in this book. She throw a fit over she this. She earned it. Yeah, and that that was why it was so satisfying for me, especially listening to it the second time where she really does earn it. Like nobody else could have figured out the rhythms the way that they need to. They say early on that um the sibling doesn't function on Stormlight and they're like there's something else there's something that we're missing and the person who figures out what it is is Navani nobody else had the resources had the time had the you know support there it was I I found that her whole relationship with Rabaniel so fascinating because they're on opposite sides but they both had this goal and like it's Navani's enemy that's supporting her and saying hey you can do this you're the one who knows how to do Figure it out. Oh, hey, this is really great. Let's keep going down. Oh, here are some more resources. Um, and so Navani is the one that figures out, oh, it's the tones and it's these different kinds of light. We need both of these. And then she connects with the sibling and she knows how to fix everything because she has those skills. Like she is, of course, the perfect person. But it did take me until it actually <laughs> happened to realize <laughs> that she was the perfect person and go, OK, I think I'm happy for her. I think it's. I Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm I'm also glad, though, that it happened kind of at this height of her self-discovery where she was in such a good mental place and then she became a radiant where it was like, of course, this is the natural progression of things where when she was feeling so low and feeling so other, she wouldn't have been able to accomplish the same things mm-hmm. that she will be able to now that she, like, because she has Dalinar now who supports her so much and is like, you know you're amazing, right? She's like, I did not know that. Thank you for saying it out loud because I need to hear that a lot more often. Sorry, there's something unique I've noticed about the people and the path of the bondsmith. Uh, most everyone else performs in a certain way and the friend finds them. Both Dalinar and Navani had to convince their friend to bond with them. Ooh. Dalinar had to go to the Stormfather and, and kind of lead out and I needed this. I'm swearing my ideals, and you're going to be my friend. And then he makes a deal with him. Says, "I won't use you as a as a shard blade or anything." I won't like that. be your shard yeah. blade. Yeah. And when he forces that later on, it causes problems. Um, and then Navani, through this whole thing, let me bond you. You know, you're not worthy. No, you're not worthy. Let me bond you. And finally, it's there's nothing that Navani changes about herself or does about herself that makes her worthy. All of a sudden, it's that she finally makes the argument to the sibling that connects the dots for the sibling to say, you're right. And that's my biggest issue with, and he could have easily written it other way, is if Relaine had become the bondsmith, based on this current path of having to make that connection, he hasn't had that with her. Right. Mm -hmm. It would just be a, you're not a human and I don't like humans and so I'm going to go with Relaine. Uh, But I I am very happy with with the setup. It was a very, uh, uh, what's her name, Weasley? Molly. Molly Weasley moment. Oh, okay. So <laughs> yeah. here you go. Here's Not the my line. Daughter. Because uh, I've got it here from DC Blackthorn on Discord, uh, who asks, um, okay, so here's the chapter that before, the one that we're talking about. Uh, so from one chapter to the next. Um, Take me, Navani whispered to the sibling. Bond me. No, the sibling said, voice faint. Why? You aren't worthy, Navani. Um, and then in the next chapter... Uh, Navani goes from that to she's talking to herself, not good enough, not a scholar, not a creator. You have no fame, no accomplishment or capacity of your own. Everything that is distinctive about you came from someone else. Lies, she whispered. And they were. And finally, to Moash, 
journey before destination, you bastard. Yeah, uh, yeah it's very much the the Molly Weasley moment. Um, okay, maybe there is a slight change in Navani that helps her connect to the sibling. I take it back. Reading that, yeah, the uh, her acceptance of her own amazingness and her own worthiness is probably a, a switch that I would make. Which is uh, a really interesting piece of character work for an author to do. Um, so often, I, I feel like it's it's almost the opposite. Like we feel a little bit awkward thinking we're awesome. It's like, mm -hmm. well, no, have a little humility, okay? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you you don't want you, you don't want to be falsely prideful, but you also don't want to be falsely humble uh, in in that way where you're denying your own gifts. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like that moment quite a bit. Um, anyway, should we do some other Discord questions? Or do you guys have... Uh, oh, Megan's got plenty to go through, <laughs> if we're being honest. No, no, it's fine. Okay, we'll do one uh, Discord question and then uh, go to Megan's notes. Oh, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's stick with this Navani train uh, for a, a moment. Old Lady Geek asks, who do you now feel <laughs> is the strongest female character? Who do you now feel is the strongest female character? Who are our, our options? We've got Navani. We've got Shalon. Yasna. 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 Raboniel, you could make the argument mm -hmm. inside there. Venli. Venli. Well, I feel like we need some parameters here. Strongest how? You know what? You get to define the parameters. This is a very open question just for you, Megan. I don't know. I don't want to answer this question. Um, hmm. I, yeah, this is fascinating because they all... Yasna less than Shalon and Navani, but they all take a lot of a journey. I think, I don't know, if we're talking inner strength, it's Yasna, but she's always just been, she's always known who she was and she's always just kind of done her own thing and worried less about what other people um, then I don't, were going to say and do. It's one of those things. I just, as I was re-listening to this part there's a conversation that yasna has that i think actually shows so much vulnerability with her and kind of breaks her mask that um as she's she has some conversations with dalinar mm -hmm. and she has some conversations with wit mm -hmm. where she finally lets down her guard and like she doesn't seem to be as strong of not a female character because she is she's still incredibly strong and, and very sure of herself but she finally has people that she respects and trusts enough that she can show these vulnerabilities to that I am not maybe as smart as everyone else thinks I might be kind of. Yeah. So she I it was an interesting moment where I just had this as she's talking. I think it was specifically with wit and she's realizing like this is a relationship that I could really have. And that she's talking about where he wants more of a physical relationship. And she's like, I don't. I don't feel that way. I value like, emotional and intellectual stimulation. But, except not emotional. Except not emotional. <laughs> but she was one of those characters that I felt like I finally almost, in a good way, thought less of her. Because she always had such a strength behind her with her intellect mm -hmm. that finally seeing an emotional side to Yasna where she's not quite as sure of herself as she she puts on. I, I liked her more because I, I see her less, I guess, if that makes sense. There's a really hard distinction to make, uh, and it's true across whenever you're talking about who's the most powerful or the most unique character or whatever, uh, or strongest character, 
in a lot of the things like this because there's strength like a mountain and then there's strength like a river. Both how, are powerful. How very Chinese oh. of you. Yeah, uh, I like that. And that, just, is, that just sounds like something, yeah, whatever. The thing is, uh, different types of strength. And Yasna, for example, as we talk about her, up to this point, she has been the mountain. Mm -hmm. She is firm. She is resolved. She has figured things out. She has a good foundation, everything here. And so for her to show these other sides, it changes her style of strength a little bit. Does it take away from her? Not, not really a lot, but it does show a different side to her. Navani, on the other hand, her strength has been very flexible. It's in being, you know, adaptable and those things. It's a very different type of thing. And so when you say, who's the strongest female character? I, are you, which category? Uh, <laughs> That's because, what I was saying. Well, we could also take it a whole other direction and say, who is the best drawn female character? Like, who is Brandon the best at writing? You know, that kind Ooh. of thing. Who is the strongest female character? In which character. case, I'll know. tell you that Shalon bugged the crap out of me in this one. But I thought <laughs> at, at the end, I was like, okay, all right. I'm okay with the journey now that we got to the end and I know how it ends. But it was annoying. No, that's, uh, but that that brings up a, a point here with yeah. this is uh, you don't have to like their journey or you don't sure. have to like it for it to be, uh, for it to still be strong. I think that if you want to break down to who's the best role model or who's the best character, who's the most clear-cut character that for you to draw from and make thing, make a choices from, you probably might have a harder time connecting to Shalon if you don't deal with a lot of Shalon's issues. Right. I think Navani is probably the most accessible. I think we've even talked about that before. Is the most accessible yeah. of the female characters of to this, connect to. this book, yeah. This, Definitely. Venli is a close second in terms of connectability for that. We just generally haven't cared about her and her story as much as we do Yasna or... Shalon. Uh, I think it's Lyft. I'm just going to throw Lyft. her out there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Lyft is the strongest character. <laughs> but by sheer power, you know, whatever. I, no, I, I do want to say something about Shalon uh, in, in favor of her. I think, I, I don't know about as a character per se, but as a, for a character moment, I don't see anything beating Shalon in part four when she finally comes to terms with herself, because even though, and this is, it's something I've mentioned in the past where it's like, okay, look, we don't all deal with split personalities. This is not a, a relatable thing. However, um, the idea that your strength can come from a lot of different places, but one of those places can be your adversities. Mm -hmm. This idea that because she has been through a lot, and is still there and is still fighting and is still trying. You know, it's like uh, she's the steel that keeps getting forged over and over and over again. And, you know, uh, she is stronger than she realizes because of that. And that's something that can be relatable to all of us because we all go through those things. And, it, you know, it's the, the whole idea, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I don't know about that saying, yeah. but it's but it's that idea. You can take those things and realize that it's making you stronger, or it can. Yeah, I think my challenge with that, from what I'm understanding here, is that uh, Shalon, going through adversity is not Shalon's path. That specifically, they, everyone is going through their own adversity there, uh, through their own paths of adversity and dealing with it. Her specifically deals with, and where it's most relatable to to me, and I think a lot of uh, other people who may connect to it, is when she creates formless. It is a, it is the person that she believes that everyone else would see her to be. Formless is the 
terrible person. If you've ever said and honestly believed yourself to be a horrible person, say, I am, I am not worth this. I'm a bad person. If you ever find yourself in that situation, that's where you connect to Shalon. And hopefully, even though you may not split personalities uh, to do that, hopefully there are other parts of you that have been able to come out and protect you until you can come to terms with the fact that you are not a bad person. Like, and be able to have that conversation with yourself and realize, no. And that's why, I, I know we talked about it before, but that sequence is so beautiful to me because of where it starts with Pattern. When Pattern says to her, this is what uh, uh, Wit said we need to tell you this, or Hoyt, I think it's, he says Wit. Wit says we need to tell you this. We love you. We trust you. You are worth everything. Like, starting that realization so that that is the tools with which she combats formless. The idea that I am not worth saving. I am not worth the energy. I am not worth it. I am a bad person. Uh, that, to me, is the most relatable part of Shalon's story, even more so than just pushing through and being strong through adversity. It's dealing with that inner demon. Sure. Yeah. So. Shalon is very much a person. She tries to hide in so many ways and Again, it's an interesting thing reading through this book where they talk about her order of radiant, which is Lightweaver. Yes. Okay. Um, where she talks about how she'll have these Lightweavers who, if they can put on another persona and another face, they can go into any situation and do anything they need to. But if they're just being there themselves, they want to sit in a corner and not have anybody look at them. Um, she also talks about how she has her group is probably like 12 people and there will probably be other be, be other light weavers, but they'll need to create their own group because she just wants her group of people that mm -hmm. she knows to be surrounded by because that's where she feels safe. And the, the, one of the other beauties of that discussion, that piece there mm -hmm. is, uh, when Shalon collects her personalities all together again, when everyone resolves, uh, it's the realization that no, those skill sets, they weren't outside things that you, just somehow magically found they're all inside of each of you yeah. and each of the light weavers in the court of secrets the is that right something like that uh will have to go through that journey on their own as well mm -hmm. to at some point where yeah they can go out and and be this other character and be totally fine and do these things but to realize that all of that comes from a core person inside right everything there uh you want to take a really great lesson that's uh when you do things that are impressive even to you you go oh that that's that's not my skill set, but somehow I did that. You pulled it from somewhere inside of you. There's a core inside of you that you have that will allow you to do things bigger than you have ever thought yourself possible. That was really bad phrasing, but <laughs> I think I got it. I like it. It's an inspirational poster with a typo is what that was. So, <laughs> um, All right. So anything else to say on that subject or shall we? On the strong women. Straight. Just that I think it's awesome. I mean, how much do so we really want How much do we really want to talk about strong women? I, <laughs> I know. Are we going to talk about the strong men next? Because there are fewer of those. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Megan, you no. brought a novella with you. <sighs> Would you care to give us a reading from your notes on Rhythm oh, of War? Oh no. Um. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about. I want to talk about wit a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Because we're, I mean, first of all, okay, I owe you an apology. Yes, you do. Treasure this. <laughs> oh, okay. I will be quiet. Now. We no, have I, this recorded, so don't worry. <laughs> I, I did um, in the last episode. Uh, I was mistaken, and I thought the scene 
between Yasna and Wit had happened at the end of part four. It is, in fact, the beginning of part five. Yeah. And so while we do have a ton of hints about their relationship and, and how it is, it's not made explicit until part five. And yeah. I was mistaken. And I'm sorry. Now, talk about Wit. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate and accept your apology. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm just glad that we're getting to know a lot more about Wit in this novel like first of all he's apparently human with ne not maybe not human but he has it's like human is he's the humanish personality <laughs> he has he has needs that humans need um yes Hoyt but has I, sex yeah we can say it Ken, ken's not here so go ahead i can't say acknowledge it, it. <laughs> okay we just did, so that's good. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, but, but Megan is, so rescinded. No, it's fine. Um, we can talk. Okay, now I just feel now, uncomfortable. Okay, so more wit, about wit. I'm well because I I recently reread Warbreaker and refreshed <laughs> my brain on um, the investiture there, mm -hmm. and so the revelation that he is, I think it's is he. I guess they didn't say specifically, but he's using the coins um, like he's hiding his breath and his memories in his coins. Mm -hmm. And then those are stolen. And all of a sudden he has less. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have his perfect pitch anymore. Um, and the and I did go and read through the darn shard. Darn shard. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. When we do our episode, we're titling it the darn shard. That is happening. I give up. <laughs> You all are looking at me. Stop looking at me. Turn off the cameras. Oh, man. That was so good. Sorry. The revelation in the Dawn Shard. Uh, Have the we just totally shard. derailed you? Is this, a little bit. Is it all over? So No, it's fine. I just think Wit is a fascinating character, and we've been getting to know him over multiple books. If you've been reading along with the Legendarium, um, you know, we've been getting to know Wit little by little through so many books. And it's kind of been the similar with the Cosmere, where the more we get to know Wit, the more we get to know about the Cosmere and the la the greater. I feel like universe. the more I get to know Wit, the less I actually know about him, which is frustrating. <laughs> like yeah. every every answer brings yeah. up eight more questions. They, she, like so, you get these little tidbits of like, oh well, he's this His immortal, name is this immortal being. And I was like, okay, yeah. well, where's this immortal being from? Like everything that yes, especially through the conversations we know with Yasna. That what mm -hmm. Yasna's learned about him, I'm like, but that tells us nothing. I know nothing about Wit, like, and so I, I find the more I learn about him, the more frustrated I am because I don't know anything about. She him. probably feels the same way. Probably, um, but I do think it's fascinating that he like knows Odium personally, knows the mm -hmm. being that Odium had um, raised. Yes, that became Odium. That became Odium, and uh, so he assumes that he knows what he's doing, and then has no idea when Teravangian takes over. That is, I think, a huge piece. Oh, it's a, it's a massive it. moment. Not, not just the Teravangian reveal, which is I was going to be like, we we need we to probably should talk about Teravangian. <laughs> the huge reveal. That's of the next one. Teravangian taking over, but in the sequence between uh, Wit and New Odium, um, Nodium. <laughs> Emodium. Nudium. Um, <laughs> nudium. Nudium is a very different shard. It's a, it's a different different channel. That, that's the shard I want. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cry. But it's the shard that you don't deserve. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. Not when we just switched to video. <laughs> so, Teravangian. 
pulls a rather shocking and surprising moment, uh, gets Nightblood in the room with Odium at the same time, draws it, strikes down Ray's, and allows himself to both die, so everyone realizes, oh no, he's just dead, but take up the shard and become Odium at the same time. Mm -hmm. So he's got the perfect escape out of this whole thing. We find out that that's been the plan by cultivation this whole time. Like, oh, maybe she's not such a good person anymore. Mm -hmm. Like this. And then we get to the conversation with him and Wit at the end. First of all, Wit doesn't recognize that it's not uh, Ray's mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, because that should have been a big red flag. Because uh, as soon as he recognized that, he would have been running back to, to everyone else and be like, guys, Problem. major issue. Yeah. yeah. And when he does realize it, what does Odium do? We now have a smarter, more intelligent, more powerful Odium because he knows how to work around the contract. Yeah. He's got that piece. Uh, it's kind of the flip side of Mistborn where... Uh, being a child of of ruin gave careful her the, being a child of ruin gave a, her the power to move forward okay <laughs> misborn spoilers but we've got cosmere spoilers through the whole thing like okay i'll, I'll put something in the uh, show notes <laughs> uh being going through and kind of being touched by one shard and putting him in a position to be able to do this uh gives him some added powers that aren't going to be as easily dealt with as they were in the past. So even though Wit has been this agent of chaos the whole time and planning all these things out and saying, okay, here's how I'm going to nudge the boulder this way and nudge it this way to try and get to my end. Well, Odium just came in, Terabangian just came in and said, nope, and took away. It's not just that he's lost the breath and that he's no longer as powerful as he is. Mm -hmm. He literally took away the memory Memories. and said, okay, no, I can screw with this guy now. I couldn't even touch him before, but here's how I can screw with this guy. Yeah. And it's that is a huge power move for new odium. So what I think is fascinating about um, Teravangini's odium is he is he, uh, you know, we're going to have odium versus Dalinar, the two sides against each other. But they're both trying to protect Roshar. Yep. But they're going to be taking very different paths. And they're like, I feel like at that point they should be working together if they have the same goal. But no, Teravangini is still going to try to use this contract to achieve his goal to save Roshar somehow. It's, yeah, even it's, though that's not it, the this sense is that I got. Why, I, at first, I wasn't super thrilled with the Teravangian takeover, um, just as, you know, as storytelling. I kind of wanted more of a confrontation with Ray's. But one thing I do really like about it is that, as I mentioned on a previous episode, Brandon has done a really good job through these books of taking the the typical good versus evil like good guys bad guys and just muddying those waters like uh -huh. crazy uh -huh. um that they're bad guys among the good and vice versa and, you know who are the antagonists really and all that stuff is brilliant and now we have Teravangian who is if not evil then uh, <laughs> amoral at best mm -hmm. um yeah. and but he does have something of a noble goal. He wants to save as many people as he can. He doesn't feel like there's any other way out of this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so now he's taken, Brandon has taken Teravangian and put him in Odium's shoes. So now it's not this pure force of hatred. Because um, we know that that took time for Rays to kind of succumb to that mm -hmm. shard. And so now we have Teravangian who is brand new to the role and he's sure to be... Um, uh, affected by that right away but he also has still has himself um and his goals and so now we have 
this shard of hatred taken up by somebody who doesn't have the same kind of goals that Ray's did. Mm-hmm. He has he has better ends in mind. Hasn't been corrupted as far. Better ends is a little. Yes, you know I'm what I'm fumbling at. What I'm trying to get at here. He's a more interesting bad guy than uber bad guy. Yeah. Right. Crazy mad. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah. He's. uh, I appreciated also that it was made very clear in the in the documentation uh, that he is still bound by prior Odium's contract rules. Right. Things that. But he already knows how he's going to approach it. He's has enough clarity. He's not the shred of a man that Ray's became that he's able to look at it. And in 10 days, the giant question on my mind based on his conversation with Wit and everything here is, what has he seen in the contract that I don't see that he's going to pull that'll take the rug out from underneath our characters? It's going to be the problem that they can't solve, which then sends cast members A, B, C, and D into... The back five books right like right now i am very much my money is down on an empire strikes back and to book five or oh book really five. oh yeah see I, I was thinking infinity war but it's kind of a similar yeah. thing where it's it's gonna end in kind of a terrible place and i'm i i'm just making a guess right now that dalinar is going to lose and the second group of five books is going to be a thousand years later, wow. where their descendants have this, to. This is good because uh, modern wa- modern water <laughs> writer wanted us to get to book five predictions. So there's a prediction. That's a that's a, a hot prediction right out of the oven. Knowing um, knowing some of the characters that he has said will carry forward into book five, uh, into book five, or sorry, book into six. book six, into the back five series. The second um, pentalogy. Yeah, I. I'm not sure about timeline differences and exactly where it's going to go, but we already know Yasna is going to be there. So she's got a bit of plot armor for book five. But the question is, what what's the cost? What's going to happen to everybody on the way through? And the idea with the agreement that they made with Dalinar that his spirit, if he fails, mm-hmm. becomes subservient to Odium and he will be then sent throughout the Cosmere. Can you imagine the Blackthorn being sent to Scadriel, being uh-huh. sent to Cell, uh, anywhere else? Oh, gosh. Uh, and leading the forces of darkness there, like yes, <laughs> kind of want to. <laughs> Do we know who's going to be the point of view character for book five? Uh, Zeth. I, I think, think it's supposed Zeth. to be Zeth's book. Yeah, because he's heading to Shinovar. Yep, we're getting the buddy cop. Uh, sorry, Ken. <gasps> buddy cop, Kaladin, Zeth, run away to <laughs> right. Shin to go figure fun. out what happened to the honor blades and try and save the crazy uh, Bondsmith. Um, okay, so other predictions for book five. There, there was some Teravangian stuff, but maybe we'll talk about him again on the next episode. Um, uh, yeah, more predictions for book five. All right, so here's my idea. Somebody asked, um, what, like, what, where can, where can people go? Where, where is Kaladin going to go? He seems to be in a stable place emotionally now. Like, where's his character arc going to go? What's going to go on with... All these other characters. Where are they? What's going to happen to him? Um, yeah, Kaladin. He's not as. Look, the issues don't just go away mm-hmm. once you accept them. He's still going to be dealing with this stuff. Um, so there are plenty of places for him to go. I suspect that Adolin and Shallan are going to be primarily 
in the cognitive realm and like world hopping pretty soon. If it's not in book five, then it'll be on the back half of the series. And here's why I think that. I don't think that uh, Maya, Maya Lauren, mm -hmm. will ever be fully healed. And so he's not, she's not going to be a spren that Adolin can bond and become radiant. But they are, they have developed a relationship. He uh, literally sent her something. So there is a connection there somehow. Right. There's a bond of some sort. Of some kind, right. Yeah. But it's not going to be that kind what of bond. What if he's her spren? Ooh, <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> well, but... <laughs> no, um, but hang on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. They have this relationship and he's going to want to be with her in a way that they can continue to interact. Um, and they can't really do that in the physical realm except with her as a shard blade, which is, you know, borderline okay, acceptable, right? Um, but he can take care of her. He can bond with her in the cognitive realm in a way that he can't in the physical realm. And so I think he's going to want to stick around there. So he's going to become a big player in Shadesmar um, and potentially set that up as, uh, you know, he's going to be world hopping and Shalana obviously will be with him. And I think that works really well for her also. Well, I, go ahead. I also think Pattern is a more interesting character in Shadesmar than he is as the pattern that he's on, right. like her dress or whatever. And that's one thing that I loved about um, with how much time we spent with the the four of them, I guess, in Shadesmar is the relationship and everything that happened with Shalon and Pattern that you we really got to know Pattern strangely as a character mm -hmm. more in Shadesmar. That I mean with Syl, you she's so lifelike and she's you she has this human body and the way that she appears and everything. We've really gotten to know Syl as a character. And I loved that about this this book and understanding more about Pattern. And that was one thing that I think I kinda I I hope, whether I agree that that's where this is all going, I don't know, but I would love to see the four of them spend more time in Shadesmar where you actually get to have better conversations with Pattern and everyone gets to be a part of Pattern's character. Yeah. Well, especially as Shalon is working with her, is it Testament? Who's the other yep. friend that she had She will do a real shard blades. No. <laughs> I want that to happen. Uh, okay. Um, all right. But they, they kind of set it up where she talks with Moraes and says, I'm not doing your bidding. Forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. And like, like, and I can't remember where I got this idea in my head that somehow they were setting that for, because they had also mentioned the Lord of Scars. Oh, yep. boy. I think that's going to have to wait um, for our next episode. In Thydekar, where I, like, I, I kind of feel like they're setting up Shallan to be a foil for the Lord of Scars somehow. And I'm like, I don't feel like she's there yet. <laughs> yeah. What? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you you got that right. Yes, I did. Okay, all right. Just making sure we weren't like ruining your day or something. No, weirdly, I went to look it up because I think it was Ken was like, "Oh my gosh, how about Thydegar?" And I was like, "I don't remember that character at all." So I went to look it up, and it immediately took me to a website for that character. And I was like, "No, I'm trying to find this other." And it took me a while to figure out it was the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. I I want to throw not a wrench, but I want to throw a thought out. Uh, based on what you've all said here, uh, if you remember the sequence when they go to find the herald that is a bond that can train Dalinar as a bondsmith, um, Ishar, yes, Ishar, okay. uh, and they go into the creepy house and they find the bodies on the tables, mm -hmm. and those are all 
spren bodies, mm. physical, corporeal spren bodies Somehow. existing in the physical realm. Yeah. And one of the big drives of the ghost bloods has been to be able to get investiture and things off of Roshar, meaning that there's going to be some sort of tear in between the cognitive and physical realm. Okay. So. And did anyone else just get a giant, giant whiff of, um, of uh, what's the third power from Mistborn? Uh, hemallergy. Hemallergy. Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, oh, that's a question too. <laughs> where um, Venli, I was reading back through, it and I'm like, who was it that gave that gave Ulim the spren Ulim to Venli in the first place? Like, who gave her that? And I went back and I looked at it, and it's a person that I would like to know more about, Axendweth, um, where she comes in and she's wearing a whole bunch of rings. And she seems to know a lot of things mm. that she shouldn't. And we're like, oh my gosh, is she a ferrochemist? Like, come here as a plant to give this to Venley to get this whole thing going? <gasps> I want to know more about Axendweth. All right. Well, <laughs> any other predictions or questions before we uh, wrap this up? Or final thoughts, Stephanie? Anything to, to share before we call it? Not that I don't feel like I haven't already talked about there's there's a there's ton of still, stuff that yeah, we haven't gotten haven't to and touched that's, on but that's why we're doing two episodes but uh, i just want to make sure but, that the two of you feel like you've no had i your feel say. like i've i've touched on the stuff that is most important to me good those moments so all right ryan any final thoughts feelings questions so many, answers so many so many so many of so many <laughs> things um rest in peace teft oh my oh, god yeah yeah but how long? everyone oh. in the room every i just stabbed oh. everyone in the room in the face with the emotional knife. Yeah. How nice lovely, run. though, that it happened when he yeah. was finally clean and sober and he was in a good yes. place. If there's a time for Tef to die, it was then. Yeah. <sighs> it still sucks, but... It really does. Yeah. And a giant sucks. bleep. It was... Uh, Moash. <laughs> bleep Moash. Um, I do think we need to carve out some serious time to talk about Moash in the next episode. Um. So yeah, Todd is thumbs upping me over there. Yes, we we'll we will talk do about that. Navani, and the men can talk about Moash. <laughs> Blind Vire. Um, <laughs> he's he is going to be fascinating, and and I do have some predictions. I guess no, I'll, I'll save that prediction for when we actually talk about him later. Um, let's go ahead and call it there, so that we don't get into some other fifteen minute uh, subject. Let's leave everybody on that tan on that note. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, I I'm wounded and I must go and you know, I, I gotta go lick my wounds uh, before the next episode. And I brought then, cookies. You can eat one of those. I fully <laughs> intend to. Um so thanks everybody for listening and thank you on YouTube for watching. We really appreciate it. Um if you if you haven't yet then please go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel. We're gonna be doing a lot more stuff on there. And uh, we'd love to see you there. It's uh, going to be one of the one of the ways that you can support us. If you can't go to patreon.com slash legendary, uh, then you can go to YouTube and subscribe to the channel and like our content and share our content. It really does. It helps a lot. Um, so we hope to see you all there. Otherwise, yes, do not despair. If we didn't get to your favorite topic from Rhythm of War, we will probably miss it again next time. But you can <laughs> give it a better shot if you go to our Discord server uh, you can get the link at thelegendarium.com, join in the conversation there, and suggest some uh, questions to ask on the next episode. Um, anything else? I think I'm good. Good? Good? Yeah. Good? I feel All right. happy. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>